The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. editor-in-chief at buffalorumlinks.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlinks Q&A. I wanted to remind you, you can always send in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. Tweet us at rumlinksq&a. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can email us buffalorumlinks at sbnation.com. You can send us messages on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show to submit your questions as the Bills approach the month of July and hopefully a return to New Era Field and the 2020 season. We've got a lot of great stuff in this show today as we're going to tackle your questions, but also the big questions we've been asking over at buffalorumlinks.com, like naming the 2010s all-decade team for the Buffalo Bills, so don't go anywhere. Our first question comes from Twitter over at Rumlinks Q&A. It comes from Sean Tracy, who asks us, if the rookies pan out in training camp and preseason, do you think that Cole Beasley could be a decent trade for draft stock? Let's start with a few basic assumptions here. First, that Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins, the two wide receivers that the Bills drafted this year, and of course Stefan Diggs come in and all have great preseasons, great training camp, and can learn a brand new offense really quickly. Now Diggs, I'm not really worried about with that. He's been in the NFL. He understands systems. But Davis and Hodgins are coming in developmentally. They weren't you know, a first-round pick or second-round pick. They were later-round picks. Uh, Gabe Davis in particular ran a very limited route tree in college. So he's going to have a steeper learning curve as well. But let's just assume for the sake of this question that all three of those guys come in, play great. That leaves you with John Brown also and Cole Beasley. So you've got five players that come in and play great. Even let's throw in, I don't know, Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie into the mix. All of those guys play great. And the Bills have this glut of receivers that they think they can count on heading into the 2020 season. I think that's a pretty big assumption. As I, I think I just said, like, I mean, they, they didn't trust Foster and McKenzie enough. Uh, they didn't they didn't tag McKenzie with the uh, restricted free agent tender. They didn't uh, trust Foster and Duke Williams enough that they went out and drafted guys 
uh, in the 2020 NFL draft, especially with Hodgins in the sixth round saying we thought he had a good chance to make the roster. They obviously don't think that those guys that were here last year are good enough to, you know, to be worth counting on in Duke Williams and Robert Foster. So, and even Isaiah McKenzie. So let's like talk about that for a second, that they didn't think that those guys were good enough at wide receiver. So they went out and tried to upgrade. And then even the guys they upgraded with, they wasn't necessarily a priority. It was guys in the later round of the draft. So that's just to say, I don't think it's very likely that all of those guys can come in or the guys that were here last year can step up and make Cole Beasley expendable. Let's just start with that premise first. Okay. And let's go beyond that and say that they do all of that and they play super well. And then Cole Beasley is sitting there and he has had kind of a mediocre off season and preseason. And the bills are sitting there at the end of August saying, Hey, we might be able to get something for Cole Beasley. Well, even if all of that happens, which like I said, not likely if the bills were to trade Cole Beasley, the Bills are still on the hook for $4.5 million in signing bonus that they've already paid to Cole Beasley. So his base salary in 2020 is $4.4 million. So if they cut, if they trade him to save that base salary, $4.4 million, plus whatever they would save in 2021 and 2022, they would still be charged the $4.5 million cap hit for the salary for the signing bonus that they've already signed him to. And so they've already paid that out as well. So their liabilities would go up by 3 million, which is the signing bonus info for 2021 and 2022. And it would go down by 4.4 million. So they're really only saving on their cap 1.4 million and they're saving, you know, 12, 13, $14 million in salary over the next three years. So if that's a concern of theirs, they could do that. They would save some of their cash that they would have been allocating for Cole Beasley, save some of their cap space that they would have been uh, saving for Cole Beasley. His contract is fully guaranteed for the season, but that wouldn't matter. The new team would just take on that fully guaranteed uh, portion of his salary. The only thing that would be worrisome and would accelerate onto the cap is the signing bonus. So now that we've got those two technical things out of the way, let's Let's talk a little bit about Cole Beasley, the player. So the cost isn't necessarily prohibitive. Um, they, they save cash on it, and so it would probably make it worth it for them at the end of the day because that eventually would turn into to salary cap space. But I keep going back to his role on the team. He is clearly a safety blanket for Josh Allen. He understands how to set up defenders. Um, if you're talking about a Super Bowl window, of the next two, maybe three years for the Buffalo Bills. You're looking at adding pieces, not necessarily taking them away and adding draft capital, especially at that position. So if they do trade Cole Beasley, they still have you know, super talented wide receivers in, in John Brown and Stefan Diggs. And then in this scenario, they would have other talented outside wide receivers in Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins or Duke Williams or Robert Foster or whoever. But is Isaiah McKenzie going to all of a sudden turn into this super dynamic slot receiver like Cole Beasley? I mean, that's really what you're going to have to bank on. He's the only guy that they've added this offseason that could fill that role 
even competently. And so Isaiah McKenzie is really the crux of this conversation. It doesn't have so much to do with the other guys that they added and the other guys that they held over because they've just played different roles. You know, they play off the ball in the slot, trying to find space and sit down in that space. Um, I just don't see a scenario where Cole Beasley is outplayed by Isaiah McKenzie. Um, so I don't think it's very likely that they're going to end up trading Cole Beasley at the end of the offseason for draft capital. I think, if anything, you're going to see them trade a player like Duke Williams or Robert Foster for something. But wide receiver trades at the end of August are incredibly rare, mainly because there's a lot of players that are like that around the league, and you just wait for someone to get cut, and then you scoop them up instead of trying to trade for a guy. When you see those trades, it's usually an offensive lineman because offensive linemen that can play at a replacement level are much fewer and far between during roster cutdowns, and teams need legitimate offensive line talent. Those back end of the roster wide receivers are out there all the time. You see it in the Bills being able to put Duke Williams on their practice squad last year after he had a really solid preseason. Um, you see Isaiah McKenzie being released in the middle of the season by the Denver Broncos a few years ago. You just There's replacement level wide receivers out there all the time. And I just don't see a team trading for Cole Beasley. And I don't see the Bills needing to trade Cole Beasley or wanting to trade Cole Beasley. So uh, that's just a really long way of saying, no, I don't think that the Bills are going to trade Cole Beasley for draft picks at the end of the summer, even if Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins or Duke Williams or Robert Foster can step up and really play well. The Bills are going to have a, a lot more difficult time sorting their outside wide receivers as opposed to their inside slot wide receiver. Thanks for your question over at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. Andy Pickert asks us, given the running back room right now, what do you think Christian Wade's chances of making the team are? Do you think he can compete with Taiwan Jones for a special team spot or beat out both Jones and Yeldon for the running back three and special teams? I actually think that the special teams aspect is the reason he's not going to be on the roster. Folks love watching Christian Wade run the ball, and when he gets the ball in his hands, it's old hat for him because he's been playing rugby for so long. But the other aspects of playing without the ball in your hands are the reason that Christian Wade isn't going to make the roster this year. They have a roster exemption for him on the practice squad once again in 2020. I think they're going to use that. Uh, but, but Wade doesn't understand special teams concepts. He never picked up a football until, what, 15 months ago? So it, that's not a dig on him. These guys that are on the team have been playing since they were you know, four or five years old. They've been watching football their entire life. They understand all of those concepts just a lot better than Christian Wade does. That, so that's not a dig on him. Things like pass protection, um, running routes, all of that is inherent in being a football player, especially an active game day participant on the roster. So could Christian Wade theoretically come in, get a handoff, and you know, run to the house? Absolutely. Could he go on a flare pattern, catch a pass, make a couple of guys miss, and take it to the house? Yeah, he did that during the preseason last year. Uh, I could even see him you know, doing punt returns or kick returns because of his just insane athleticism. 
but being part of the special teams unit on a consistent basis, I just don't see that as a real possibility, at least not in 2020, maybe in 2021. But especially because the Bills have that roster exception, he would have to show other teams that he is capable of being a part of their active game day 46-man roster and being able to play multiple special teams like a Taiwan Jones is right now for the Buffalo Bills in order to even make another team's roster. So I don't think it's very likely that that's going to happen. Thank you, Andy. Over on Twitter, at Rumlinks Q&A. Don't go away. When we come back, we're going to talk about the 2010s All-Decade Team for the Buffalo Bills over at buffalorumlings.com. Over at buffalorumlings.com, since the beginning of June, we've been running daily polls on who should be a member of the Buffalo Bills 2010s All-Decade Team. Uh, So... Other outlets may have, you know, announced who their all-decade team is. We're having all of our fans vote. And so I'm going to make my votes live here on our podcast. And we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills all-decade team quarterback. Uh, So if you go, and I'll put links to all this in the show notes, but the three options were Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, and Josh Allen. And I was looking back at these compiled stats for each of these three players over the course of the decade, the quarterback hasn't really been a barren wasteland for the Bills. They've had guys that can get by and you know play, what, middle of the pack, middle to bottom end of the pack quarterback for the entire decade. That's why they had chances to make the playoffs and eventually did make the playoffs. So um, when you look at these three guys, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's career has been better than all the other guys, certainly longer. But if you look at the overall stat line for Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, 60% completion percentage, over 10,000 yards, 71 touchdowns, uh, 6.75 yards per attempt. He also had 625 yards on the ground. Tyrod Taylor had almost 9,000 rushing yards, 51 touchdowns, only 16 interceptions for Tyrod Taylor as a member of the Buffalo Bills. That's a great stat line. Uh, Seven yards per attempt, also had almost 1,600 yards rushing and 14 touchdowns. Josh Allen uh, dwarfs in comparison, just 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, um, 6.6 yards per attempt, and then 1,100 rushing yards with 17 rushing touchdowns. Man, they love giving him the ball at the one-yard line, not to punch it in. So just going on cumulative stats, you have to give the nod to Fitzpatrick. He's got way more yards than anybody else, uh, over 1,000 yards more. He's got more passing touchdowns than anyone, anybody else by a lot. He's got 20 more passing touchdowns than um, Tyrod Taylor and 50, oops, not 50, sorry, 41 more passing touchdowns than Josh Allen. So I'm going to give the nod to Ryan Fitzpatrick here. I know that the fans made it actually a three-horse race. All three players received a good chunk of the vote, uh, but it looks like Josh Allen's going to take that home. Uh, Buffalo Bills fan, recency bias, and the love of the Josh Allen kid are are two reasons for that. But I'm going to give my pick to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Over at the running back position, the Bills actually have some super solid options here. Uh, Fred Jackson, 
uh, played five seasons with the Bills at the start of the decade. Uh, remember, it's just from 2010 till 2019. He had uh, 3,700 rushing yards with another 1,700 yards through the air, 30 combined touchdowns. Uh, LaShawn McCoy had uh, 3,800 rushing yards plus 1,300 yards through the air, combined 30 touchdowns. Uh, C.J. Spiller was the third running back on our list, uh, 3,300 rushing yards with another 1,200 through the air and a combined 18 touchdowns. So as much as I love Fred Jackson, one of my favorite players ever to watch, um, just always delivered in big moments too. As a pure runner, LaShawn McCoy was, I just think, so much better than Fred Jackson, who could kind of do it all. Um, LaShawn McCoy made the Pro Bowl a few times with the Bills. Fred Jackson never made the Pro Bowl. Um, so even though their overall stat lines are very similar, you have to look at the number of seasons as well. Fred Jackson never broke 1,000 yards in the 2010s. He had 927 and 934 yards in 2011, or sorry, 2010 and 2011. Then he had 890 in 2013, but he never broke 1,000 yards during the decade for the Buffalo Bills. Contrast that with LaShawn McCoy, who had 1,267 yards in 2016 and 1,138 yards in 2017. He did it twice. He was named to the Pro Bowl three times as a member of the Buffalo Bills after, of course, making it with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just going with LaShawn McCoy as my running back for the All-Decade team, which makes me 0 for 2 because Bills fans chose Fred Jackson overwhelmingly to be their representative on the 2010 All-Decades team. Moving to the tight end position, this one was a little bit closer, not because there was you know a bunch of great choices to choose from, but uh, Scott Chandler, Lee Smith, and Charles Clay all had really limited time with the Buffalo Bills to make an impact. Uh, Clay had 274 targets, 178 receptions, and only 1,800 yards in his seasons with the Bills. Lee Smith played multiple years for the Bills, but only had 24 receptions and was mainly a blocking option. And then Scott Chandler had 182 receptions with 17 touchdowns. So I think it's a pretty clear Scott Chandler was the best tight end that the Bills had in the decade. And that's saying something because I don't think Scott Chandler was was great by any means. I think he was a solid tight end option. And um, so, yeah, I'm not going to really spend a whole lot more time talking about the tight ends. I wish Charles Clay would have been better <laughs> there, there. I'll say that um, at the wide receiver position, we had a few different options. Uh, we have to go back to the beginning of the decade to look at Stevie Johnson. Uh, he set team records for a thousand yards receiving in three straight seasons from 2010 to 2012. Uh, that still has not been accomplished in the decade. He had 289 receptions for 3,700 yards and 26 touchdowns. All of those were the most by a Bills wide receiver during the decade. So I'm going to go with him over Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins and John Brown, who had one only one season in Buffalo. I'm going to go with uh, Stevie Johnson over the rest of the field, and uh, that was a pretty easy decision for Bills fans. He run, won in a landslide. Uh, at left tackle, I think this is a little bit of a trickier question because you don't have the stats to rely on, but you had Demetrius Bell, Cordy Glenn, and Deion Dawkins as your three options. 
I'm going to go with Cordy Glenn. Uh, he had sustained success, whereas um, Deion Dawkins hasn't really shown that. Uh, he was the second-round pick in 2012. He had, was Pro Bowl caliber for a, a couple moments in time there and was just a guy you didn't have to worry about. And so for five years, he was really, really good for the Bills. So half the decade, um, I'm going to give him the nod over Deion Dawkins for the 2010s. Hopefully Deion Dawkins can be that guy for the 2020s. At left guard, I think it's Richie Incognito. Uh, we also had Andy Levitri and Quentin Spain uh, mixed in there as well. Bills fans voted for Richie Incognito over Andy Levitri uh, pretty heavily as well. Um, I'll, I will say that I thought Levitri's play was very, very good, uh, even if he was never selected to a Pro Bowl with the Bills. and uh, But he was only here for three years of the decade, 2010, 2011, 2012, whereas uh, Richie Incognito you know, made a Pro Bowl, was, was with the Bills for four seasons before um, his falling out with the team. So I'm going to go with uh, Richie Incognito there. Uh, at center, it was probably the easiest decision of all of the decisions on the All-Decade team. The center is Eric Wood. That's a pretty easy decision at Rickard. It gets a little bit tricky, again, just like the tight end position. We had a couple, like, okay options, but no one that was really good. Uh, Craig Urbic was a guy that um, played really well for the Bills for a stretch there. John Miller was a serviceable option at right guard. And then John Feliciano, who's played there uh, very recently. Uh, it looks like Craig Urbic took the vote barely by just 20 votes over John Feliciano. I'm also going to go with Urbic. I've heard Eric Wood talk about how solid Craig Urbic was at right guard, and he really locked down a position that was a struggle for the Bills to lock down for a period of time before that. So I'm going with Craig Urbic as my right guard on the All-Decades team. At right tackle, you have Eric Pierce, Chantrell Henderson, and Jordan Mills, and Cody Ford. That is not a great list of right tackles, ladies and gentlemen. Uh I think of all those people, Chantrell Henderson was the most talented. He obviously had different issues um, off the field uh, with his um, Crohn's disease and uh, marijuana usage, which kind of limited uh, not only his draft stock, but his ability to play in the league. And that was, you know, I, we didn't even mention Cyrus Quanjo in this conversation, which is another piece of that conversation. But, um, I guess we're going to go with Eric Pierce. Uh, he started 56 games for the Bills, 40 at right tackle. So, I mean, that's more than two seasons as the right tackle of the Bills. I don't know if any of the other guys can do that. Maybe, um, oh yeah, John, Jordan Mills can. But, um, say it's really a toss-up for me between Pierce and Mills. I will go with Eric Pierce just because I always felt like the team should upgrade from Jordan Mills. And I don't remember thinking that when Eric Pierce was the right tackle. Uh, second wide receiver after the first wide receiver. So we eliminated Stevie Johnson, came back to Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, and John Brown. I'm going with Sammy Watkins based on talent alone. I think Sammy Watkins obviously played his way out of Buffalo uh, and didn't do any himself any favors, but I mean, when he was at his best, he was a dynamic wide receiver, and I want that guy on my all-decade team. He um, 
like I said, had 2,400 yards uh, and 17 touchdowns for the Bills in the decade, which is just about the same as Robert Woods did. Uh, but Watkins was dealing with injuries, some of them self-inflicted. So I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins as my wide receiver too. And then finally, we had an offensive flex position. So this gave us a chance to rectify some wrongs. It took the top running back that was left, the top wide receiver that was left, and the top tight end that was left and put them on here. Now, in our all-decade post, it was LaShawn McCoy, Charles Clay, and John Brown. I put LaShawn McCoy in as my running back, which means that Fred Jackson would have been here, and I would put Fred Jackson in as my offensive flex over Charles Clay and John Brown. So my team looks very similar to the one that the Bills fans picked obviously accepted the quarterback. Uh, I had Ryan Fitzpatrick as my all-decade quarterback. LaShawn McCoy as my all-decade running back. Scott Chandler as my all-decade tight end. Stevie Johnson as my all-decade wide receiver. Cordy Glenn at left tackle. Rich Incognito at left guard. Eric Wood at center. Craig Urbick at right guard. Eric Pierce at right tackle. My wide receiver two was Sammy Watkins, and my flex on offense was Fred Jackson. You can go vote in those polls over at buffalorumblings.com. We're starting the defense this week now that we're done with the offense, and we'll put together our complete list of the 2010s all-decade team for the Buffalo Bills. Make sure you go let your voice be heard. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Leave your questions for next week's episode using our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Tweet us at Rumblings Q&A or any of the other ways you can get in touch with the show. Go Bills.